Hello and welcome to That Will Preach. My name is Jeremy Mills and I'm so glad to have you along today. My guest today is the author of the book, The Journey of a Lifetime. Also has written Faith, Freedom, and Politics. And he has also written a book called Mississippi Matters. He is the district superintendent of Mississippi and my dear friend, David Tipton. You do not want to miss this conversation today. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please go to iTunes, give us a five-star review, and leave a comment. This would help us out so very much. Thank you for doing that today. Also, you can go to anchor.fm forward slash Jeremy Mills. You can find a link there that will allow you to support us for as little as 99 cents a month. Prayerfully consider this. It would be most helpful and appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless. Brother Tipton, it is so glad to have you on the show today. Thank you, Brother Mills. It's good to talk with you, and as you and I have been friends for many years, and uh, I, as a friend, pick on you and call you General Mills. So <laughs> every, every time I look at a cereal box, I think of you, General Mills. <laughs> but hey, it's good to talk to you and uh, the good work you're doing there as a pastor, and, and I thank you for uh, this time to spend with you. I, I actually listened to your recent podcast, and it blessed me. I, it really ministered to me when you talked about I Am That Tree, and I would recommend uh, ministry and uh, church leaders everywhere to listen to that. It was really a great podcast. Well, I appreciate that. Um, let me, uh, let's just go ahead and get started. Brother Tipton, just kind of give us, I know you're very busy. You always have something going on, it seems to me. Uh just uh, before we get into our questions, and just tell us about something you might have going on uh, right now. Well, currently we are preparing, and I've spent much of the morning uh, in meetings. I uh, had a conference call at board and uh, been around the grounds getting ready for our 73rd annual camp meeting, which is the second week in July. So uh, that is always a, a busy time when we start preparing for that. And then, of course, yesterday uh, I spent most of the day uh, I have been uh, appointed to serve on the Mississippi Development Bank uh, and been serving on that board, so had those board meetings yesterday. So uh, as I tell everybody everywhere I go, not as a martyr, but I am a busy person. I enjoy that. That's what motivates me, and I'm so far behind now. I think I'm first. Always. Every time I talk to you or I see you and follow you, on, on I really keep up with you on Facebook, and I think, man, that Brother Tipton is everywhere. One thing Ruth and I was talking about a while ago, you are responsible in a good way. And I give you all the credit. I'm very grateful um, in her and I eventually being married because I met her and and she knew, I believe it was your cousin. Um, right, that's true. And contacted you to ask about me because they didn't know me. So that's That's right. So we collaborated. <laughs> well, I appreciate the I appreciate the good word because we're going on fifteen years right now. So yeah, that's great. I keep up with you, likewise, and uh, your wife and your children. You've got a beautiful family, and I certainly want you to give them my regard. I most certainly will. I know you're very busy, so we're going to go ahead and get right into the meat of our podcast today. Get started. What is your routine uh, for study? So that in 
that would imply what day do you study if you're supposed to be. Let's just go ahead and give a typical pastor study time for this Sunday. Uh, or you're okay. you're speaking for a camp meeting or, or something of that. Nature. So what day do you study? And what is the length of time do you prepare for each sermon? Well, you know, I don't know that I'd be the one that someone would want to emulate, but it works for me. I don't have a day. I I kind of operate off of uh, inspiration, and, uh, and if I'm in a situation to where I have a thought and I have the time, then I will start a sermon, um, and maybe later on in the interview I will even share with you a sermon thought and how I came about it. But yes, sir. I'll get an inspiration through circumstances, through another person, or through reading the Word, and I'll get an inspiration, and I will... I'll either take my phone out and put it in my notes or grab a pen, a piece of paper, and start a sermon. Now, let's say I preached this past weekend at a homecoming. Uh, I had worked on that sermon in bits and pieces uh, because it was a special service. But by the time I'm finished with one sermon, my mind is already thinking about, okay, uh, I'm preaching next week at a certain location or my home church. Uh I want to minister to that particular uh, church, uh, if it is a special function, or the pastor, has, if it's an anniversary, a dedication, installation, or revival, or whatever, I want to be sensitive, uh, and I, so I'm already thinking ahead, uh, looking at my calendar, and sometimes I may have three sermons simultaneously going at the same time, and so when I feel those creative juices flowing, I, uh, I'll stop, get my iPad out, or, or scratch pad, and start writing. And, and that's how I kind of start beginning the structure of my of my message. I do not. I'm. I don't. When it comes to preaching, I do not like to be a procrastinator. I am not a person that likes to wait on Saturday night and not know what I'm going to be preaching on Sunday. Right. So, I ask God to treat me fair, and He normally does. Uh, he knows I'm going to preach somewhere before I do. That's correct. So I wanted. To, I want Him to prepare my heart. So I, I'm already working on that sermon sometimes weeks before I'm going to actually be there at that particular church. So then I, once I get a flow going, I may sit there for an hour, hour and a half, or I may sit there 15 minutes and get up and uh, do something else and come back later on in the evening and, and pick it back up when I'm feeling inspiration. And so I just kind of go with the flow, if that's the way to put it. I don't have a certain time where I punch a clock and say, okay, I'm going to work on this sermon at a certain time, but I just go off of uh, knowing of the obligation and responsibility that I have. I, I begin working on it uh, days and sometimes weeks in advance. And then normally, uh, I, I don't ever use maybe two or three days before I actually preach, I will go over and read and reread uh, my thoughts. Right. Uh, maybe tweak it, tweak it a little bit, but I, I, it's rare God would change my mind uh, to get in a pulpit and preach something totally different than what I've been preparing for, so uh, that's that's my routine. So let me let me ask you, and this is, this question is for our young preachers. So during all that study time and sermon prep, how how does one as a young preacher, or is it one and the same? I guess my question between their personal study that they take in for themselves of reading in the scripture, when do they turn the switch on or off between personal Bible study and sermon prep? Or do you feel like it's one and the same? Well, I think a person should have personal devotion and read the Bible 
for something other than to get a sermon. However, if you're a God-called minister, it nearly works every time. Right. Uh, I sit down to read a Bible. Uh, this is the power of God's Word because it's powerful and it's profound and it's personal. So while while I'm sitting in my recliner reading in the morning, uh, I don't necessarily am not thinking about a particular service or sermon, yeah. but I'll read a passage of Scripture that I have read many, many times, but for some reason on that day, uh, this is the power of the anointing and the anointing of God's Word. It just jumps out at you, and then all of a sudden, uh, God starts uh, giving you inspiration. So I, I actually will read the Bible for not the purpose of coming up with a sermon, and then I may close my Bible and go about my day. But then there are other times that I'll cross that bridge and say, oh, this I, I cannot uh, not forget to put this down or write this down. I, I got to follow through with this. And so I'll take a few minutes and uh, go ahead and start a thread, in, uh, for back, lack of a better term. I'll start a thread um, of uh, some thoughts. Uh, if you were to go uh, look on my desk or even in my notes on my phone, I've got uh, a cliche or an adage or a sermon idea or sermon thought. Yeah. Uh, I'll put it down, and then I'll go back and work on it later. But, yeah, I, again, to answer your question, certainly everybody needs to read the Bible uh, and have personal and private time. But there's something about uh, the Word of God, how it's so powerful. It'll minister to you personally, and I've also found out that I don't go to the pulpit, uh, uh, at least I shouldn't. I can't preach a sermon to an audience or a congregation that I haven't already preached to myself. Exactly. You know, for all those young preachers that are listening to the podcast today, um, make sure that you're, you heard what Brother Tippin said. Make sure you're putting in that personal time because it's those, right. to me, it's that collective personal Bible study knowledge over months and years and decades that as you're preaching, those stories, those scriptures, those illustrations can automatically just begin to flow as we're preaching. You know, we have such yeah, an exhaustive knowledge of Scripture because we haven't neglected our own duty of digesting the Word of God for ourselves. Absolutely. And of course, uh, I've heard someone say, well, I just, I want to preach, but I don't like to read. Well, first, uh, you know, God will never anoint something you don't know. Right. So you you you, you have to study. you got to read. And I have found that uh, um, uh, I have done a, uh, during COVID, I did a second cup of coffee, uh, just a way to reach out about 9.30 every morning. I did a second cup of coffee. I just pre-recorded on, on my uh, phone, and then at 9.30, I just posted on my social media page, second cup of coffee. Well, uh, I'd, I'd just be sitting somewhere, and all of a sudden, something I heard, whether it was an illustration or something of humor or a sermon thought or something I had read, um, come back into my memory uh, something that might have happened years ago and that was the the very thing that would create do my second cup of coffee to connect with people uh, but it might have been something I had read a long time ago that just come back into my memory so you, you've got to first uh, uh, before I think you can start writing something down you gotta uh, you guys again not going to know something you don't know and so obviously Paul was intending on writing when he told Timothy, he said, now, when you come, he said, I want you to bring your cloak, uh, your books, and then above all, parchment. So it let me know that he was going to do some reading, um, but he intended on doing some writing because he said, above all, parchment. Yes. So, so uh, again, 
it goes into if you put something in your memory bank, uh, God will help you recall that uh, because it's in your knowledge. You know it, and then he can bring it uh, to your memory at the proper time because you have put it in your file cabinet, in your mental file cabinet. Absolutely. Uh, that's a great segue into our next question. You you mentioned Paul and his parchment. Our next question is, are you a paper notes, sermon notes, are you a tablet, or are you a no-note guy? So I'm, I'm going to say you do do notes, but is it old-fashioned, <laughs> handwritten, lined, <laughs> college-ruled lined paper? Is it typed and then printed? Are you strictly technology and going with the tablet? What is it for Brother? Well, Kipper? I don't. Well, I I strictly preach from a tablet. Uh, there are a number of reasons. It's because of my vision. I don't have that good a vision, so I use a twenty-five to a thirty font, and that makes it comfortable. It's very hard for me to uh, read something in fine print. So I, I for the reason for that reason, I like the tablet. But what I do. Now, if you go to my home or if you go to my desk, I've got uh, sticky notes and scratch pads and paper. So I've got a lot of stuff written down. But when it comes time to sit down to flesh out the message itself, I like to have the structure, putting it down on a tablet. And then most of the time I will print it and take it with me and I'll present it to the media team. Uh, I don't maybe always go verbatim, but they I stick pretty close to my notes that I've prepared. And so uh, if that technology or that electronic device were to fail me, I've got a backup plan. So I normally right. have a printed copy with, with me. Absolutely. So, but I do, uh, there are a lot of people that, and, and I know maybe there are probably certain uh, schools of thought that would try to, uh, or would want you to try to speak from the hip or just, just from uh, no... no um, nothing written down or iPad. I, I I have a reason that I type it out. I don't like to have. I don't like having ancillary issues right. become the dominant issue in my preaching simply right. because of carelessness. So if if again while I'm preaching I've got something I have written down and prepared and it's coming out of my heart, then uh, then the ancillary issues are not likely to come up. Now, however, if something in my memory bank God anoints and brings to my memory, uh, I certainly will go down that road a little bit, but usually I'll come back to that illustration or that point uh, because I want to know, do I, you know, am I communicating what I intended? You so know, if I, if, if I might add to that, yep. writing, or should I say typing out sermons, does offer many fringe benefits. Yes, it does. And I found, I found that it helps me. Now, again, there are folks that have uh, what, what you call it, uh, photographic memory. I don't have that, but I, I have found that it helps me structure yes. uh, a sermon because I can see the main points emerge. And writing or typing it, uh, whichever way I'm working on it at that time, it also helps me expand my vocabulary. So what I do, uh, and as you know, when someone talks, they tend to use repetitive word forms, yep. uh, repeat things. Yep. Uh, so when I write it out, I realize that I can go backwards a couple of pages and, oh, look here, I've been use this particular word already once or twice, and, and so in some cases it would be inappropriate to use it again. So, so the primary reason that I type it out is so that uh, when I reread it before I deliver it, I can ponder, you know, uh, is this going to trip anybody up or what's it, am I saying anything offensive? Uh, so it helps me to say exactly what I want to say 
and not raise other issues that would block the main point. And again, back to my original point is, is, uh, I don't like having ancillary issues become the dominant issues. So, uh, that's why I like to, uh, have it typed out and have a structure. Uh, because also it helps me eliminate because I'm just as bad as some of the, some other preachers that I sit out there and listen to them say, Amen, glory to God, praise God 15 times. I've done that. And so I've gone back and listened to myself. And that's what we call, uh, fillers. So right. when, uh, when you use a lot of fillers, I think you're going to lose the audience. So it, to me, and in my opinion, it helps to have some structure so that you won't get caught up in the hallelujah, glory to God, amen, praise God, thank you, Jesus, and uh, not have substance. And I think content and delivery is very important if, uh, when you stand behind the pulpit. You know, you mentioned about not saying the same words over and over as far as repetition. I did a episode, uh, probably three or four episodes ago here on That Will Preach, about alliteration and the benefits of using a thesaurus. And mm -hmm. a, a thesaurus is right there in Microsoft Word. It's free. All you got is go to the review tab, and then boom, right there it is. Um, if you find yourself using the same words over and over and over and over and over again, I that thesaurus, I can say personally, has increased my vocabulary 100%. Over the years, right. because I use that thesaurus probably, well, just about every single sermon that I write. Um, because right. you're, you, we're always preaching about a theme, whatever the theme is. And within 10 minutes, you've said about every word you know that you commonly use about that one particular theme. And if you can go right. to the thesaurus, you can start reaching and grabbing descriptive words to do that and we'll move on to the next question but one thing i want to say is by getting in the habit of writing your sermon note week after week year after year i mean by the end of your lifetime by the end by the time you reach retirement if we ever reach retirement but after a few decades you're going to have hundreds and hundreds of sermons and you have honed in the craft of writing, and to me, to take those sermons, those thoughts, and to put them in a book form or a study guide or a uh, sermon notebook, which is becoming more and more popular, um, right. is always a great benefit for the next generation. A friend of mine said, um, touch God every day, touch people every day, and touch something that will outlive you every day. He said, write a poem, write an article, write a sermon. I never forgot that. Uh, well, that's good. It, it is good. And, you know, how many elders have we lost in the apostolic doctrine and apostolic truth that has gone on and never wrote down anything? And they died, you know, with all that knowledge, with no video, no audio, and no written notes. And they took that information with them to the grave. And it's something I think is very important that we can leave behind, if nothing else, for our children to uh, go back right. and to read. Yeah, that's a sad commentary, which is why, uh, obviously, my latest book, uh, The Journey of a Lifetime, I, you know, I've sold several of them as I travel, but that was not my objective. I wrote that for my grandchildren, to leave them something to know of the miracles that God uh, did for me as a child and and as an adult, uh, I wanted to put something in my grandchildren's hands uh, because it is sad commentary that people take things to the grave with them that could benefit so many people. So I think that we should hand hand it off to the 
to the next generation. Yes, sir. So we're going to go on to the next question, and I know we probably danced all the way around this one, but what would be a very unique and different study habit that you have or that you have heard of? Would would, would, well, there, would there be something that's just like <laughs> out there? Just something, just, just you know. Well, you know, I, I can only speak for me because I don't know other people's study habits. Uh, and, I, and I don't have any certain, and we've covered that the early part of the episode here about how I, I do that. But now there are uh, sometimes there will be a strong uh, urge uh, of just hammering something out uh, and not getting up from the desk. And it's you're so enveloped and this message is so consuming that it's it's got it's coming out of you right then. Right. Uh, those are rare. Those are rare yep. uh, times for me. They're special times when that happens. Uh, th- those kind of messages that are not that God's word is diminished in any area, but those messages that uh, I don't know if it's a special connection, but there's something that is birthing out of you that you can't get up from the dead. Times you're you're weeping, or yes, you're, yes. or you're so, you're so involved Absolutely. that you can't got to stay connected. And to disconnect at that time, you would lose that moment. So that's those are a different moment than when I'm looking ahead and thinking ahead and say I've got to preach this homecoming, I got to preach this anniversary, and or this uh, dedication or this installation. Th- those are opportunities that yes, God talks to you. But uh, again, I said it earlier, God uses circumstances, He uses people. Uh, an event, and his word. So those come at you, cause you to take a different approach in the way you study it, depending on uh, the moment or the event, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. One thing that I've noticed about you, and you have I've had the privilege of having you preach for us when we was in Kentucky, and then we've had you here in Grovetown. One thing that I've, and I've heard you speak numerous times before, one thing that I've noticed about you, Brother Tipton, you are a phenomenal storyteller, and you have the most unique stories. So, real quickly, where where do you get these stories? You you talked about a fish one time at when we was in Kentucky. It was just it was I'm I'm sitting there thinking, man, where where is he going? And then all of a sudden, you just drop it, and it was just phenomenal. Um, where do you get these stories? Have you always been well, with such a, a, a proficient storyteller? And maybe speak to our, our young listeners about the benefits of, of using these, these type of illustrations. No, I've, I've not always been a storyteller. Growing up, I was an introvert. I would not even stand up and give a book report in front of my class because I was so intimidated and inhibited and just didn't feel worthy or scared or afraid. I couldn't stand in front of a an audience. So God has had to help me. But my story is basically, uh, I'm sanguine. My personality is predominantly sanguine. And if you study sanguine people, bizarre things happen, unusual things happen. So God has been very good to me through tragedy and triumph, just life. I, I, I live with the with a sanctified terror of boring people. So I want to be effective. <laughs> so so I, I want to be effective. And so uh, I love the whole Bible. Yeah. But if I could say anything to a young preacher, uh, I had a conversation with either a denominational, uh, denominational person yesterday, and he made comment to me. He attends our camp meeting, uh, but he's a member of a large denomination. But he said, what I appreciate about Pentecostalism, and I'm using his word, he said, what I appreciate about Pentecostalism is when I go to your camp meeting, 
unlike the church I attend, y- y'all take the Word of God and use real life stories, and that ministers that ministers to me personally. Right. So I don't. I you know I love the entire Bible, all sixty six books. But to a young minister, my goal and to encourage them, but my goal is when I'm behind that pulpit. Of course, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to pull people from the pit, but I want to keep it interesting. Yes. So you know, don't uh, don't uh, overstay my welcome in the Book of Leviticus. If, 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 so is that meaning that I don't like the Book of Leviticus? No, I love the Book of Leviticus. But you can reach a point of boredom to where, you, but you can take the anointed Word of God because it is not stale. It's right. like manna that's given every day, uh, even though you know it was re- uh, written over a period of what sixteen hundred years. Uh, it is still fresh and it's anointing, unlike any other piece of literature known Absolutely. to man. So uh, I think that a minister should seek to keep it interesting. So, again, I don't think everybody should be like me. Uh, I did when I first started preaching. I tried to emulate one of my favorite preachers. And I learned very early when I started preaching that I cannot be somebody else. I I had a lot of fears and phobias, so I tried to emulate this particular preacher who I still look up to tremendously. But I realized that I can't be, I got to be me. And what I like, is I like humor, but I, I I feel like that it's it's worthy to put the people uh, some bread on the table and uh, to keep it interesting. To be effective, you, it's it's not to, to get in the routine of being boring, you know, and and, and strike oil, you know. And, and if you don't, uh, it's time to close. <laughs> Absolutely, and personal stories connect with people as well. When you say this is what happened to me, and sometimes you have to open up that window of your life, even if it's a fault or a failure or a shortcoming, right. to say, "Hey, I feel your pain. I feel your struggle. This is what happened to me." But here's how I right. triumph. Here how, how I overcome. And a lot of times that right. can they, be intimidating at first if you're just not used to, you know, number one, standing up in front of people, and then number two, just opening up that private window of your life. Right. Now, one of the greatest compliments, uh, Pastor Mills, that, that I could receive, and, I, and certainly I don't think any preacher should be fishing for compliments, but it is a, I, I take it as a compliment when a child comes up to me and says, Brother Tipton, I enjoyed your ministry. Mm. Now, again, as I stated earlier, I want to uh, expand my vocabulary. And, uh, I used to tell everybody I didn't know but two big words, and that was mayonnaise and aluminum. <laughs> but but I it's a compliment when a child says I enjoyed your ministry. That lets me know of course I don't have to struggle about trying to preach above everybody's head. I don't have that ability. I, I believe if you envision the Lord's ministry was that if he was with a group of fishermen then he was talking about fish. If he was um uh in whatever the olive garden or if he was in a field or Wherever dirt, sand, whatever he was, he he used exactly. his surroundings. Yes, and he brought about a personal story that they could uh, okay, uh, they could look out and see or or pick up or, or visualize what he's talking about and relate. So some of my personal stories, uh, some of them are in my book, The Journey of a Lifetime: Childhood Stories. At one time, I thought I had blasphemed the Holy Ghost, and the beauty of it was in my innocence and simple life. Mine as a child, right. I had a caring pastor that realized that my worship had fallen off and something wasn't right. And so I come out of the prayer room. And I was a kid. I was about nine years old, ten years old. Mm. He was just standing inside the office door, and he said, "David, stand here, stand here, go in my office just a minute." He said, uh, 
Brother Adams wants to know what's going on. Said your worship's falling off and something's bothering you. I, I can tell you're struggling. And I said, Oh no, nothing wrong with me. He said, No. He said, Is there something wrong with you? What I had done was, uh, it, it was in my sixth grade class. My playmates in, in, in uh, PE were calling me a holy roller and making fun of my religion. And uh, we were out on the football field, and I, I said, Oh, I don't know Jesus. I'm not a holy roller. And Brother Mills, I cannot tell you. That moment, the darkness had come over my mind and how yes. the devil for two weeks, two weeks he tormented me. He said, mm-hmm. you blaspheme the Holy Ghost. You can't go to heaven. Well, I had a sensitive pastor that realized that something was off with my worship. And he called me in and, and I told him, so I broke down and started crying. So I told him what I had done, physical education class. He, he said, pick your chin up, look at me. And I, I said, he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your head and ask God to forgive you. And tell him you're sorry. So I did. I was crying and bawling my eyes out. Yes, sir. Little nine-year-old kid. And then he put his hand on me and said, now pick your head up. Dry your tears. You get back on that front pew and you worship God like you know you're supposed to. Well, he released me. Right. So I, I, I tell that, I tell that story in the book, but I also use that sermon sometimes when it's appropriate when I'm preaching because how the, the enemy of our soul tries to put condemnation on people when they, say something or have done something they shouldn't and they live in condemnation uh, but how that uh, a moment of bowing my head with my pastor and praying uh, it freed me up to go back out there and realize I, I serve a loving God so I, I like to use illustration and personal stories and when I get through I want to say did it communicate what I intended and was I affected? Absolutely to a person or they feel that within themselves um, and to tell that story, I can see how that that connect with with someone who may struggle, and a lot of people may yeah. even struggle with that, Brother Tipton, who are putting on a great facade, um, right, and going through the motions and struggle with the devil, getting a hold of right. getting a hold of fear in their heart. Right. All right. So we're going to change gears a little bit. What version of the Bible do you use? Predominantly the King James version. That's what I have uh, by my recliner. Uh, but now I will on my phone because it's so handy. I uh, have the Bible app, so uh, if I am reading my my actual Bible, my leather bound Bible, and I come across a verse or something, uh, this kind of will even go back to maybe something how a sermon idea originates or a thought, seed thought. But uh, then I, I'll read a scripture and something that kind of say stop right here for a moment, and I'll scroll down uh, the different versions of maybe the New King James or or ESV, or something like that. Now, uh, I will confess, I know that the message is not uh, the canon, um, and I know that it is a paraphrase. It is not the Word of God. It's just a paraphrase. Right. But I tell you what I enjoy. I wouldn't recommend that being somebody saying this is the anointed Word of God, but right. what I do enjoy, uh, certainly because there are some doctrinal errors and different things in there, but because it is a paraphrase. But what I enjoy doing a lot of times is, is when I get through looking at all the other uh, translations, I like to go to the message because of the phraseology. And sometimes it'll, a certain sentence or a three-word cadence will come out, and it would just kind of give birth to a sermon title, which is not what I'm actually looking for. But it happens sometimes, uh, invariably, when I look at the message. Uh, I, that's kind of a little key thought maybe it's worth sharing, is I enjoy doing that because of the way they paraphrase it. You know... When I ask this question to our guest, and the Message Bible has just about come up every single time I've asked this question 
to our guest. And I think you're absolutely right. It does phrase it so well. It paraphrases it so well. It, it does it so well to me that in my Bible reading to my children at nighttime, actual printed paper message Bibles, because the, right. it's, it's easier for them to read and to understand. Uh, as they get a little bit older, we're going to, you know, kind of uh, gravitate right. a, away from that into the more literal word of God. But Luke and right. Jack can sit and we can, you know, we can read. We read Esther the other day with Gloriana. Mm -hmm. I read Ruth. And it was much easier for them to uh, to understand. Well, but because it's more conversational, so I, that's the way I would look at it as a paraphrase. It is more conversational that makes it easy, especially for a child, and even when you want to paraphrase. So, but the King James is what I I study from and and preach from. When I nine times out of ten, when I read a verse or verses to preach, it's going to be from the King James version. Now, I may allude to. Or yep. say something about another version, or may even say the message puts it this way. Yes, just to help people uh, have a little clear understanding, conversational. Absolutely. So, Brother Tipton, let me ask you: pulpit etiquette, things that should or should not be done in the pulpit for young ministers. Okay. Well, I don't think this is a huge problem, but I could see it becoming one. I've uh, in my travels. Sometimes I see where a young minister fails to give honor to the elder or the pastor yes, sir. or the pulpit in charge. So I would, no, I'm against flattery, but at the same time, the Bible talks about honor where honor is due. I think that a young minister should, if he's invited to speak in a pulpit, uh, there is a pastor that is in charge of that pulpit. And he has been entrusted to preach behind the pulpit this man is responsible for. So I think that not overdone to the point of flattery, but true honor. You never go wrong by honoring an elder. And certainly, if you've been invited to preach behind a pulpit that's not yours, or God is giving you charge of, you should give honor to the pastor. So I yes. think that's something you should always do. I'm not go talking about going to the extreme and making it to where it's, you know, obnoxious or to the point of this, that it's embarrassing, but proper honor behind that pulpit is going to do something It's going to help you when you start preaching. Otherwise, if you just run to that pulpit and read your text and not give honor where honor is due, you're missing a valuable part of connecting with that audience uh, because they. I, I, just, I feel like that's that's etiquette. That's something that should do. Uh, now, there, there are habits. Now, again, I, I've worked on myself for years uh, with my hands. So for any speaker, whether he's a speaker or a preacher, motivational speaker uh, it's a challenge what am i to do with my hand right so you know do you point your finger or do you uh put your hands on the pulpit so just from a personal observation i think a person's hand should be try to be as much relaxed as possible there's one thing i do not like it maybe i think there are some young ministers who does this they put their hands in their pocket they either have both hands or one hand in their pocket <laughs> while they're preaching they kind of kind of got their coat uh you know, behind their hand, you know, in their, in their hand in the pocket. I don't know that they're just trying to look cool or be charismatic, but poor optic from the audience to look up there and see that. So uh, I believe there should be a dignity that uh, when you grace a pulpit, I'm not saying can't go back and forth and preach and get loud, but sometimes we think loudness means annoying, and that's not true either. But I, I, I do think that... Um, your gestures and your your hands. That, that's a challenge for every speaker. 
Yes, sir. So, but if I could say anything to a young preacher, is because my pastor, that's one thing he said to me, that don't be putting your hands in your pocket trying to look cool. So bring dignity. Bring some dignity to that pulpit. Yes, sir. You know, being prior military, and it's just a habit of mine, um, when I watch a preacher uh, as he's navigating his way through the audience and up on the platform and to the pulpit, I look for this in them because I do it with myself. I always carry my Bible and my notes in my left hand. And those who are prior military will know exactly what I'm talking about. We do that. That is intentional. The reason why you right. always carry something in your left hand is if you have to salute with your right. I'm always trying to pick it out and see, you know, just see if I can pick out the military guys. You know, one thing I would say about do's and don'ts pulpit, I think wherever you're going as a young preacher, you need to call ahead of time and find out the dress code for that pulpit. Absolutely. It used to be it was all strictly shirt and tie and jacket. Not everybody does that. And if you go to a church and they don't require white shirt and tie or button-down shirt and tie or a jacket, you're just so used to that. Well, that's not the case everywhere. Right. And even the color shirt. In some churches, uh, they want they want a white shirt. Right. And I think you need to text that preacher or call ahead of time, ask for the dress code. Right. I, I ask my guys, you know, dress slacks, dress shoes, button-down shirt, tie, and a jacket. Uh, but if they want, mm-hmm. if they get hot, remove that jacket. That's totally fine. But um, right. I think as a young preacher, you need to know. Don't take for granted that everybody's allowing, uh, you know, blue jeans and a t-shirt. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I personally, because I'm I'm old school, but now I, I I I try not to be a critical person. And this to me is constructive criticism. Uh, it is a challenge. Uh, for me, that when I'm told to go to a conference and uh, you know and uh, casual, because being the way I was raised was uh, was raised poor, so we didn't have expensive clothes. Uh, if the best you have is overalls, I think they should be ironed and pressed. But right. my mother taught us. My mother taught us that we were going to visit with the king, and we wanted to look our best and behave and act our best. And so. I don't criticize. In fact, there are events I go to, they'll say, hey, don't wear your tie. Everybody's going to have business casual. I will do it in some occasions, but I'm still uncomfortable. When I go to the house of God, I, I like to dress up. Yeah, absolutely. I have a funny story, and then we're going to move on to our next point. As a young man, I went to my uncle's church. One day I had this, you know, as a young man, harebrained idea, I'm going to go to church, and I'm not going to wear a tie. Now, you had to understand this church and my my pastor at the time. I mean, I go in there. And it's a few minutes before church. I plop down the front row with my Bible in no tie. And I get the motion to come up to the pulpit. And I walk up there and I say, yes, sir. He leans down to my ear and he says, you, uh, you, you, you're going to a chicken fight? I say, excuse <laughs> me? He said, it look, looks like you're dressed to, to go to a chicken fight. I said, no, sir. I'm, I'm not going to a chick. He said, well, that's how you dress. He said, church starts in 10 minutes. You better have a tie. <laughs> and, and that was on a, that was on a Wednesday, midweek service. And wow. I was close enough. I lived close to my, my little house. I was written at the time. I could run there, grab any tie. It didn't matter. And I was, and I made it back before church. And, um, to this day, from that day, and that's probably been over 30 years ago, from this day, I, I wear a shirt and tie on Wednesday. I, that right. just that done it for me. I, I'm not going through a chicken <laughs> fight. No, no, uh, 
you know, no, not throwing stones at anybody else that, that's casual on Wednesday. And I, I totally get a lot of folks come home from work, but, uh, that sure, just, that, sure. I, 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 yeah, I actually, uh, used to work in the factory, uh, and many times would, uh, have to leave my work and, uh, go straight to church. My wife, we had two kids. This is before I was preaching and, uh, I worked in a steel mill and, uh, they would keep me on Wednesday nights invariably. They'd want to keep me overtime. But I made up my mind I was not going to miss church. So I've gone to church many times uh, in a uniform with metatarsal boot. And because I, I, so I'm not going to criticize somebody for coming to church the way they are, the best they can. But as far as if I'm going to be involved in the service, I want to look the best and, uh, and offer my best to the king and represent him. I would do no less if I were invited to see the president in the White House. I, I don't think I'd go in there. Uh, improperly dressed so that's kind of a, a backstory the way i feel absolutely brother tipton um i want to say so much thank you for this opportunity to talk um you are a great man of god you're a great friend i look up to you and respect you very highly you and your family and all that you're doing in the kingdom of god i know you're very busy uh, but thank you for taking the time uh, today it has been a pleasure, and if you don't mind, I certainly uh, would like to offer my website in case anybody would want to uh, purchase one of my books, or they could go to Amazon. But, yes, yes uh, sir. That's that's what uh, I was going to say next. How can how can we get a hold of you, and where can we find your information? Okay, uh, www.onward-365.com, or you could search by title uh, Amazon Mississippi Matters. Faith, Freedom, and Politics for the Journey of a Lifetime by David Tipton. So it's been a delight to be with you. I've enjoyed this uh, and look forward to maybe some more in the future. Absolutely. So lastly, I'm going to ask if you can give us a sermon thought. Give us give us a seed thought, something that's, uh, that we could take and we can build off of and create a sermon. One of those, one of those seed thoughts that you've had during those yep. study times. Okay, so you call you gonna call this the lightning round? Yes, sir. <laughs> well, we um, I I had this thought this morning. I actually preached this sermon, but let me just quickly tell you a story. Won't take for the moment. Go ahead. I travel I travel back and forth from my home to the district office, which is 125 miles one way. So I travel on the interstate quite a bit back and forth, and uh, for about a year I had uh, this billboard was up and. Um, I had intended to stop and get a picture of it, uh, and just to keep it archived. But, and, and I guess Wendy should pay me for about what I'm about to say, but, uh, a big billboard on the interstate and it was Wendy's and they were advertising that they were open 24 hours a day. And the big billboard said this. It said, hunger has no curfew. Mm. And, and I, I got to thinking about that. That's the way they advertise that their business was open 24 hours a day or or is available for you to stop by and get a hamburger. And so I turned it into a message where the scripture said, he that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. And there was no curfew on that scripture about what it had to be between 8 and 9 or 6 and 10 or whatever, because if you got a hunger and a thirst, hunger knows no curfew. So I think someone could take that seed thought and even take it a little farther I did preach it as a sermon from a Wendy's billboard called Hunger Has No Curfew and I do hunger after the things of God 
And I believe our churches are ready for revival that God's promised in the last days, and I'm hungry for it. Folks, you heard it here today from David Tipton. All I'm going to say is, that will preach. <laughs>